This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff run to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Listeners new and old, welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats, now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. I am your host, Justin Howes, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week, sometimes in our standard weekly previews, sometimes in our post-game Twitter space coverage, which will be rolling away probably with the offseason, but you can still catch us weekly throughout We've had quite an interesting uh, week, really, since our last episode uh, covering everything Bearcats. Bearcats basketball has been on a little bit of a high roller coaster. High feels like a little bit of everything, but we've got plenty to cover. So we're going to jump right in. Starting with UCF, David DeJulius is that guy. Steve, please, please explain. Explain why uh, as- he is that guy. As Mike Adams Wood said after the game, he is him. He is him. Um, and I do, I talked about this on our post game spaces after the UCF game, which is why you should have our notifications on. Tune in, listen to us talk about Bearcats sports. Um, I, I was really happy for him because he had that opportunity to win that game at Tulane with another last second shot, opted for three, may have been not able to enter the lane like he did against UCF, didn't get the shot to go. And then they dropped that game in overtime. Uh, you know, just for him, he's been like the soul of this program over the last three years. And I'm just happy for him whenever he is able to like do something like that. You know, I, I feel like he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit this year because of the emergence of Landers Nolly. And then recently the emergence of Odie Aguama, but my guy DDJ, like I will have a Deontay Vaughn sized uh, part of my heart for uh, like David Julius and that will never go away because like he's meant so much to this program when we've really had not much else to talk about. So shout out to DJ. Yes. Keep doing your thing, man. Absolutely. Uh, I, I 100% agree. DDJ has for sure been the heart of this team and it's really interesting now looking forward. Like this is a guy who was a transfer, but came in and like really, ran the program for the past few years. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we play in a much harder conference without him, but we'll see what happens. Um, as far as the game goes, uh, it was not a completely blown game down to the stretch. It was a little bit ugly. Uh, we only made four threes shot 55% overall, but a win is a win is a win is a win is a win. And apparently somehow in there, it's a quad one win. I don't understand how, but uh, it is. And it probably is not now. Uh, <laughs> not anymore. After yeah, uh, yeah. UCF lost to the Bulls of South Florida last night and got swept in basketball in their final year in the AAC. That was only in USF's men's and women's. 
Yes, uh, that was only uh, USF men's basketball's fifth conference win of the season, and they have two of those wins over uh, uh, over the vaunted UCF Knights. Uh, I was listening to our friends from the Sons of UCF podcast who we visited with last week, and uh, they mentioned uh, after the UC game, you know, I just if if he loses Johnny Dawkins, I'm talking about if he lo- if they were if he loses to South Florida. Just tell him to clean up his office and get out. So um, <laughs> I assume UCF might have a new coach uh, this upcoming offseason. But anyway, back to the Bearcats side of things. It was great to see them get that win. And especially after two straight collapses on the road, Justin, we, we seem to not be able to hold a lead. We seem to be able to race out to a lead. I, I've counted. We've had a leads of at least nine points or more in our last four games. Uh, and you know, other than the South Florida game where we were able to pretty much close that out, every other game has been down to the wire and mm-hmm. that's against teams like East Carolina temple, who is, I mean, they're AAC good, but they're 15 and 11 overall and Tulane who lost by 30 to Houston. And, you know, we, we understand we historically have not played well against Tulane temple or East Carolina, uh, especially on the road at Tulane and East Carolina, but, those are still teams that if you want to be a better basketball program, you know, we should be beating pretty handily, but this is not a negative podcast where I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> we won this game. And I, I think, you know, bottom line, that's all you can ask for. It doesn't matter how many lead times you blew the lead, just as long as you're leading when the clock hits zero at the end of the game, I pretty baseline. You can make me happy that way. Yes, I 100% agree. I think the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway, uh, speaking of sweeps, is sweeping UCF uh, this season. This was a this was a type of team that I think was definitely a little bit overhyped. Not like anyone was really expecting them to be like great or to lead the conference or even be second, really. But it was a team that we were expecting to be good and one that we watched throughout the season expecting to probably trade blows with and to come out out of both games and end up winning both. I think it's huge. And I, I think that is a great takeaway to have again, when we've had this conversation about you want to, you want to, you want to have a good story leaving the American and you don't want to give it up to teams that you shouldn't. Uh, we're maybe probably not going to get another shot at Tulane. I think we're just going to have to let that one die. But again, for teams like USF, UCF temple temple, especially uh, I think this is probably a good time to just cover uh temple because we had a we had a very interesting one last night um another game in overtime um thankfully ended up in a win probably one of the most aggravating situations down the stretch because it looked exactly like the two lane game it looked exactly like the ecu game and it looked exactly like the ucf game the only difference between temple ucf ecu and tulane was the fact that this time, sorry, was the fact that against the UCF, we actually drove in the bucket and tried to like force a shot in the paint and it worked and it went in. This one was just like ECU and just like Tulane down the stretch, one possession game, game on the line, you can win it and you take a bad shot. And and it's and it's so forced, it's guarding the ball. I think they wanted to get it to DDJ. DDJ got locked up. Landers took it. Landers is on, you know, 
let's find that shot. And I complained a few weeks ago. I was like, I feel like DDJ has always been the guy in this situation. Why not give it to Landers? Same thing. Uh, and especially after UCF last week, I would just force a shot with DDJ. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it seems like it would be the, the proverbial call after uh, having got the buzzer beater over UCF to win that one on the road, but things end as they do. And thankfully we figured it out down the stretch. Um, as far as temple goes, um, we did pretty much beat up on them everywhere that we could, but, um, somehow <laughs> it's a temple game and temple figures out how to be the thorn in our side and make it a pain in the ass to get out of that arena. Um, Steve, why don't you give us a little bit more of a detailed breakdown, but kind of some of the the other things as well. Yeah. So uh, I put it in the the notes before the game, but if you look at bracketologists, just comparing all of their metrics against temples, uh, UC had better metrics and everything, but free throw shooting. And last night, Justin, what they do with the free throw shooting, your favorite thing probably of the season, 28 for 30 from the line. They probably won this game because of the free throw shooting last night mm-hmm. uh, that um, I was reading the game notes uh, uh, like on the official website and best free throw shooting performance since at least 2010, they said, which is pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Like mm-hmm. that's, it proves your point, right. About how we are often not great at the line. So uh, at a good, good point there for sure. Daniel skillings, man, another great game for him, 15 points in 14 minutes. Uh, our buddy Coomer said this on the Cincy Slangin' Pod, so I want to give him credit, but he makes a great point. Whenever uh, Daniel Skillings is in the corner, he gets a set shot, he gets the pass right in his right in his area, and he puts it up. It's usually money. And like mm-hmm. I really also liked where you know he made a made a steal at about like the half court, and then went down and had a dunk. Like that that just brings me like Gary Clark vibes. And I know they are not the same player at all. <laughs> Daniel Skillings is obviously more of a wing and Gary Clark is a big, you know, I'm not even making that comparison, but <laughs> I really like Daniel Skillings right now, man. Um, the other thing too, is that, you know, uh, this is another game note. So shout out to Zach Stipe, who's writing all the game notes. And um, I'm just copying them and pasting them into our podcast here, but Thank you, sir. Is 16 and one this year when they win the rebounding battle. Uh, big stat. And, you know, I, I do think we've talked about this year about how UC should be a program oriented on big men, getting more mm-hmm. big men and being able to win inside, win, win rebounding battles, get like score easy buckets, points in the paint. And uh, that kind of proves out that point that we should be this program. And even with you know, guys who are not the best big men ever in the world with Victor Locke and, and Odi Oguama, they've really stepped up this year. And when we win the rebounding battle, obviously it proves out. Shout out to Odie, by the way, man. He's been really carrying this team when Vic has been out. And I, I do think like I, you could look at like the recent performance, like other than uh, South Florida, you could look at these four games where we've had really close wins or losses. And you could say one or two things it's concerning and you would like to see them win more of these games, but also you were missing Victor lock in for these games. And he probably elevates you to about, you know, five to 10 points better than you were. And like, he plays great, great defense. Like maybe, you know, he having him there and he wasn't at full speed last night and hopefully he can get back to full speed before Sunday, because I do think, and I will talk about this, but I do think that can be an issue for Memphis 
um, is us getting in the paint. But, you know, I think they're, they're just starting to win games less by living and dying by the three ball and more by trying to round out the offense. And, mm-hmm. you know, that offense, if you watch some of our highlights, just just forget that we're just going to run a pick and roll because you know we're going to run and pick and roll uh, and, like, <laughs> either hit a fadeaway or drop it off. We, we don't – we don't have much of an offense other than that, but you know, it it's working right now. And I also think too, that, you know, I, Jeremiah Davenport, like this is something else that our, our friends at Cincy Slang and have talked about, but he's kind of evolving in the fact that, you know, he's not just shooting every single time. He's trying to find better opportunities for his teammates. And that's all we can ask for from him is just look for that other opportunity it you don't have to be the hero you don't have to just mm-hmm. jack it up and and then he's become kind of a reliable shooter I'm, I'm gonna pull up his stats in just a second because i'm curious about it but i feel like the last four or five six games he's kind of been pretty reliable and not taking as many bad shots so i, I don't yeah. want to crush the kid but you know that's that's a, a positive development for this team yeah absolutely the the thing that um you know i noticed too the ucf game was just not much for him, just the, the game was just not going for him. But when you look across the other three games in this past four game stretch, 18, 19, and 10, uh, I mean, and it all comes on 46, 66 and 50% shooting from the field. So like something is working there. And I think this all kind of comes back from that two lane game where after the game, West just kind of said like, Hey, we just said, pump the brakes a little bit slow it down, figure things out. I will say too, like it's been really interesting because I had this sort of gripe that talked about. um, And I'm never going to say that Wes Miller listens to anything that I have to fucking say, because I, uh, I know that that's not the case, but uh, talked about this point of digging into the players, just seeing a little bit more heat, less heat towards the refs and more heat towards like, all right, keep your guys honest, keep your guys responsible. And I saw him, I remember last night, I don't remember what the situation was, but I remember seeing him talk to Vic and he can't pulled Vic off the court and he was just laying into him. Nobody wants to see that really, but like, cause you want to be so successful. That's successful. That's not a problem, but seeing Wes go to his guys say, this is a problem, fix it. And then they go out there and fix it. And you can see the noticeable change I think helps. Like that is where you want to see the money coming back on that coaching. You want to, you don't want to see like the freewheeling. You don't want to see the coach who's just kind of sitting back and letting the guys play because there's plenty of those coaches in college basketball. You want the best coaches are generally micromanagers. And that, that is the way that it should be. I think there's some freewheeling, but especially at the college level, there's so many different skill sets and there's so many different guys that have to be melted together into one pot, coach the hell out of them, like just dig into them. And I, I love that style of coaching. I think it works much better. I'm personally biased on that, but especially if we've had this conversation where whichever side of it you're on, this whole talent conversation, if you think that the talent is lacking, he should be digging into those players. He should be able to get the best out of every single player, and that is how you do that. And so I think that's been a big takeaway for me over the past few games as well, and we've seen how it's worked out, which has generally been in our favor. Um Another thing that I want to come back to that point where you're talking about big men, because this is an identity that I think has sort of slipped away over the past few years. Um, The last like dominant big man that I can think of 
relevant name for last night. Great to see him back on the court. Trey Scott. Trey Scott, I think, was a very dominant big man. He was able to bully you, but he could also shoot the three, and he could do just about anything, and he was probably one of the most acrobatic bigs at the same time. I think I see a lot of Vic in that same style in him. Maybe not so much for the three shooting, but what he doesn't have in that part of his arsenal, he has down low, and he's got he's gotten much better at the post. Um, and so seeing him shake defenders, seeing him be able to work his magic down there, I think has been really big. Shout out the the sweat headband, whatever we're going to call it. Is it a sweatband or a headband? We need to put a poll up. I'm sure I'll probably re- be wrong. It's probably just a headband. Sweatband just feels right. Uh, <laughs> um, but again, on that point of the big men, uh, if, if you look at if you look at a lot of the teams of the past few years that have gone to the NCAA championship, a lot of the teams that have been dominant, the names that you tend to know, look at last year. You know, between UNC and Kansas, you had Baycott, you had Manic, which were huge for uh, UNC dominant big men who can control it. And then on the other side, you have Jalen Wilson and McCormick for Kansas, dominant big men who can control the control the tempo, can get inside and do their work. And I think that that is an identity. When you look back, you were talking about Gary Clark earlier. You know, you're talking about guys like Yancey Gates. You're talking about guys all the way back to like Kenyon Martin. You're talking about all these kind of really pivotal, pivotal players down low I think if we can really try to hone in on that and just develop that area, that is what you can build your core around because the rest of your game works. And especially with Wes's system, if you're going to live and die by the three, if somebody's taking a three, get the offensive rebound, have a guy down low that can snag that, have a guy who can bully them, have a guy that is a threat so much so down low that they have no choice but to double him. And then you can kick it out to your DDJs, to your Davenports, to your Nollies, to all your other three shooters. I think that's just such a an important thing to focus on. I think Vic is getting there. I think Odie has been there too. But it's something that we really need to focus on in the future to help make sure that Wes's system, as he's currently building it, continues to you know blossom. Uh, and so far, it seems to be working out pretty well. <laughs> um, yep. When we come down to what we've got coming up next, um, I don't, I'm trying to remember if you hit your point on Landers. Did you get to that yet? I did not. You did not. I'll let you take that one too, because this is, I, I saw this too, and I'm glad that you brought this or that you got this out here in the outline. Yeah. I'm more just interested to see what the reception is for Landers as he comes to Memphis and it's possibly his final uh, college road game before you know, moving on. I, it does seem like he's more interested in moving on after this season. Obviously things could change. You never know, but um, it, it, he, it, just from his messaging, it seems like he, it, this is going to be his last season. So again, we'll see Landers. We love you. If you, if you want to come back, you're more than welcome to, uh, but <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't really think I saw many hard feelings after him leaving for like an in-conference rival and I do think maybe that was because he wasn't getting the minutes he wanted. And maybe he was just like a kind of a, an agreed upon thing that we're, they're just going to go in separate directions. And he's, mm-hmm. he's really kind of blossomed this year into that big time scorer that he, he almost was in his freshman year at Virginia tech. Like he's become like another, uh, an integral part of the UC offense. And I kind of wonder if he'll get booed or if he'll get, you know, just a couple of golf claps or if he'll get cheered. 
I'm very interested to see what the Memphis fans do because Memphis is definitely like has traditionally been a place where they do not like Cincinnati one bit. Like they, that's what they I was going for. Us, we don't really yeah. like them. I don't really like them either. Like that's the one <laughs> where I am gonna miss them just because, like, you know, we never really developed a hate with everyone, anyone mm-hmm. really in this conference. Maybe like UCF because they're just annoying on Twitter, but you know, it, that was more of just like a you know we're competing in football and we've been at the top at different times in the conference. But with Memphis, it was always a thing where like, you just, you just don't like, them, you know, and they don't like you. And that's great. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm completely fine with it. You know, there's definitely some stories, some personal anecdotes of, as well of why, why we don't like Memphis, you and I, yep. you know, and, uh, <laughs> Oh, we can talk about that on our, uh, uh, on a, a different show, but you know, what, what do you think about like the Landers thing, the Memphis thing, like, what, yeah, I want to hear all your thoughts about it. Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to classify our time in the AAC when it comes to rivalries and when it comes to teams that we don't like, UCF, we don't like the fans. We don't like the surrounding noise around the program. The players, we could give two shits about. Memphis, on the other hand, I don't really like the fans as much. I would say I don't like UCF's fans more, but when it comes to the players on the court, I can't stand Memphis. I just don't like, there's something about the makeup that just says like, I want to have, I want to go out on the court and get dunked on with my complete inability to do anything on a basketball court. But I want to do it angrily because (laughs) obviously we're not skilled enough to do anything against these guys, but like, These guys, I just, I've never liked any makeup of any of their teams when it comes to football, when it comes especially to basketball. There's something about it where they're just really antagonizing and they get under your skin, honestly. And I love that in Arrival, but also I think that's where I kind of come back to this point of like, I think the fandom is more of an UCF problem and the players are more of a Memphis problem, which I think has really like got a lot of butted heads, you know, with Memphis, UCF. We just don't have it that way. Um, and it yeah. feels more like, you know, when you're comparing it to like something like Xavier, where it's like, Xavier, you don't like the fans. I think in the same way, like, I really don't like those players. I don't like a single one of them. I don't respect a single one of them, especially Diaper Boy. Can't stand them. Landers Nolly, though, yeah. on the other hand, you've changed sides and you've come to the good side. So we're proud of you and we like you for that. And uh, again, please come back. We need you. Um, as far as I actually Memphis- had to check real quick on Lester Canonis if he was still at Memphis, he's not. He's apparently with the Santa Cruz Warriors now. But I was wow, like, diaper boy, like, are you still there? Like, <laughs> I'm really was- surprised too because I feel like he was the star of the show every time we played them. Yep, yep, yeah. But, and like, um, that, I love that the student section chanted at him in like that, that last <laughs> game before, like, you know, when. That overtime win in in 2020 at fifth or they're like diaper or something. I forget what it was, but it was, yeah. it was great. I'm sorry. I think, Please continue. No, no, no. You're good. Um, wrapping up that point on Landers, I do think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see that environment as well. Personally, knowing Memphis's fan base, I would assume that they would be respectful enough to cheer for him, but... Knowing Memphis's fan base, I, I could see it. I could see them booing. Memphis just seems like one of those places that, you know, for better or for worse, is a ride or die kind of place. Uh, and they are a tough environment to play in. I, I, I'll give them that. Like, 
they're clearly a raucous environment and everybody has trouble there. Uh, but I don't know. I think there'll be a warm reception for Landers specifically. When you go through the rundown of the, you know, guys coming out of the court, he'll have a warm reception. Everyone else is going to be booze and they're going to throw up birds at him and whatnot. But Landers will have respect. <laughs> um, speaking of the streaks that we had against Temple, which again, for those of you who may have, may, may have missed that or not, uh, in our time in the AAC, doing this from memory, but I know that it's right. Win, win, win. Loss, loss, loss. Win, 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 win. Loss, loss, loss. Win. And that is how we will end that. We will end the losing streak with a W and hopefully never have to play Temple again. Uh, streaks that need to be broken. Steve, what happens on Sunday? Memphis goes for their fifth straight win against your Cincinnati Bearcats. And uh, I, for one, would like to uh, leave the conference with another win over them. That was part mm-hmm. of like my uh, my farewell tour initiative on the uh, the uniform tracker account was that you know, it would be nice to just like end like your time in a conference saying like, you know, if UC had run the table, like we we didn't lose a game in our last three years to anybody mm-hmm. in the conference. So um, that's not really going to happen with football. It's not going to happen with basketball either. But, uh, you know, it would be nice to beat these guys uh, that we haven't beat them four straight times. Like I said, it hasn't been to, it's been since. Uh, John Brandon was the coach and Trey Scott was, uh, was playing that we beat them with. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's getting about time to beat them. So um, I would just like to say to too, do you remember that game? Cause that was, that was a crazy season of just way too many overtime games. I think we, we tied an NCAA record for the amount of overtime games in a season at six. Yep. Like, <laughs> that yep. season was the most like, roller coaster ride that i i i still i still call back to that as one of my favorite seasons as much as it was like chaotic i think it was really fun because you know you you can't beat six overtime games it's that was prime cardiac cats um i think (laughs) i don't know i don't i don't know how this goes i think with 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 your creative righteousness over top of cardiac cats i think we have the uh the licensing here too yes yes to to make make more merch yeah, that was that me. was that was 100% Steve. Cardiac Cats is a thing. So if those of you have heard it, you've said it, you know it. Steve by far was the first person to start that. I know that for a fact and I will take that to my grave. So if we decide to make merch on it, we're calling it now in the air. You make any merch, we're CNDing you and you probably will not get an actual CND because we're not legal guys and we don't have a legal team, but you know whatever maybe justin <laughs> maybe we can uh make some stickers uh with the cardiac Ooh, cats logo stickers you know uh my household did just uh receive a cricket you know so <laughs> anything can happen uh, look it up um but yeah I, I i would like to beat memphis um i think it would be you know there's no shot of us getting in the tournament uh ncaa tournament as an at-large but you know it's just like we're talking about that progress thing and like mm-hmm. I, my my baseline goal for progress was reached this year, Justin. I've been saying it all year, win more games than you did last year. And Mm -hmm. they did reach that goal last night. Justin Williams wrote an article about how this team needs to not collapse. And after that article, they've won their last two games and you know, they, they look like they can go in and win on Sunday. So yes, I'm fingers crossed obviously, but Hey, you know, like they, the just winning that game, I think, could be that one final big like 
all in win. Okay. You know, we finally beat someone good and we might, might even knock them off the bubble of the tournament. So I'm looking yep. forward to Sunday. Yeah, you're definitely, you know, and this is one of those things that I want people to remember too, when it comes to Memphis, uh, I say this, like, you know, the classic meme, he thinks he plays for the team, but uh, if we do this, like, you are like, that is still something to play for. Like you playing to beat Memphis to ruin their season. Usually it's other people trying to do that to us. Being able to ruin their season, I think is huge. Um, and there's a lot of other teams that are ruining their own season, like <clears throat> Xavier. Um, those guys are having a great time. I do want to, I want to point out one thing. Cause I remember you saying uh, before we transition away, when you're talking about um, being able to get that one last, you know, win over teams and being able to just say, yeah, we beat up on them, beat up on them. And we took them to their grave. The only loss that Houston has in conference this year is to Temple. And that is all I have to say about that. Um, God, I'm so glad to not have to play Temple anymore because Temple sucks. Um, I think this is probably a good time to transition. So coming up after this brief break, Steve will tell us more about his trip to see an up-and-coming Bearcat. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And we're back. Steve, get right into it. Tell us about this future Bearcat that you had the pleasure of getting to witness in person. Yeah. So uh, I visited nearby AZ Compass High School here in the beautiful valley uh, of the sun. In, uh, I was actually in Chandler. So uh, another like suburb of, of Phoenix. But uh, yeah, I went to go see Rayvon Griffith with our guy at FPM Bomb, uh, PHX Bearcat on Twitter. Um, and we, yeah, we, we got to go see him play his senior night game. They did senior night ceremony at halftime, which I thought was kind of interesting, usually before the game kind of thing. But, but yeah, man, like they are just, they're, they're loaded. They're loaded with talent, obviously. <laughs> like they got a guy going to like UNC, they got a guy going to St. Mary's, Portland, Oregon, New Mexico. Like they, they got just dudes everywhere, as the great Ari Wasserman would say. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the Ravon didn't really get a chance to score many points in what I watched, but man, he is just like that Cincinnati guard. Like he gets in your chest. He's a tough defender. He's not giving you any room to operate when he's guarding you. And he's also like a guy too, that looks for that pass. He was getting his teammates involved. He was trying to just, you know, facilitate. And then he was active on the, on the glass too, trying to get in there for rebounds. Um, they won by about 40 points. So, you know, he wasn't really <laughs> playing much in the second half, but man, he like, he's just, he's just a talent and he's like exciting to watch too. So uh, I think obviously, you know, you know, you, you're going to like what you see and just what you see fans have seen on Twitter, just on highlights, you, you can't help but like what you see, but man, he is just something else in person too. So, and like just getting him to see him in that like cool environment. Cause there's no way I'm getting like, 
like courtside seats to like a UC game anytime soon. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting once he actually gets here too, because um, kind of the point that you're mentioning, he is like a, he's a very able guard in all ways, shapes and form. Um, I think it's interesting because he is, he is listed as a small forward um, and he does stand at six, five. I think in the college game that might shift him better to a shooting guard position where he can kind of, you know, still, still play his same game, but maybe be, maybe let some other guys, if we decide to go for height in our lineup, if we actually start building that out right now, our guards are tend to be pretty small. Um, and you know, with a guy like Ravon, I think we can kind of shift that. I would love to see a bigger lineup personally. I think it's just the way that the program is played. And I think if you can mirror that down, but still have capable shooters with a guy like Ravon with guys like Jizzle, when, you know, it's still, you're not going to have this, you know, hype matchup. He sits at six, five, one eighty right now. If that guy adds like another, I don't know, 10 pounds of just pure, like monster factory muscle. I think it's going to be real. This guy could like, I want to, I want to see posterized dunks. I think that he has the capability to do stuff like this. And and it's going to be really cool to see him once he's actually on the court, because we're, we're starting to build in that system of lanky, very athletic guys that can kind of just do everything and guard every position. Again, that is the way that the pro game is played. It's very positionless. And I think that if he can fit into that mold very well, it's going to be nothing but money. I mean, it's, I, I think some teams, like we, we mentioned earlier, like you want to really have like some great bigs, have your dominant bigs, but have everybody else be able to do everything because that threat from every single player is so hard to guard because everybody can shoot the ball. Everybody can drive into the paint. Everybody can guard. And, and, you know, you can't ask for that for a bunch of guys coming fresh out of high school, but you can build that. Like you can get to that point when you develop them over time. And especially with guys like Reed and skillings who we've already got in the, you know, in the locker room. And then you're going to be adding some of these new guys too. If we get Flory and he reclassifies too, you're going to have that really threatening big. I think it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. This is going to be a very different brand of Bearcats basketball that we've, than we've been used to seeing it already is, but I think it could in a way too kind of slide back a little bit more to the center of what we're used to as well, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm just thinking about a lineup of all five of our newer guys, you know, if you had Reed skillings, uh, jizzle, well, I, well, I guess you would put skillings in there before Reed, but Skillings, Jizzle, Ravon, uh, Dayday, and uh, Sage, or if you get Flory, you know, put that in. That young guy lineup is like one of the more exciting young guy lineups we've had at UC in a while. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting because we, we just have been seeing so much identity change throughout this team. And I think we've talked a lot about this year too. What is our identity? I think we've kind of got a good feel for what that is now. And it, it really is changed to a three ball mentality, but man, if we could just, I want to, I want to get back to the glory days of Bearcats defense. And I know I'm like the first one to always say like, let that shit go, but it's really hard. <laughs> good defensive basketball is really exciting 
Um, when, so. you, when you go from giving up like 55 points a game into in a span <laughs> of five years, giving up like 85 points a game, you're like, can we go back to the other one? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, but shootouts yeah. are always fun, but they're very nerve wracking when you can't just control it, you know? Yeah, and I think yeah. that's control. The control of a game is where you see that like true dominance of a team. And I think it's not like, all right, we're just going to blow a team out. It's, systematically shutting down plays meanwhile making you know making good on all of your opportunities on the other end uh that is dominant basketball that's what i think has made the bearcats so good and i hope we continue to see it still is game control a college basketball stat or is that from some other sport like i i feel like i've heard that for is that like a ken bomb thing or maybe i'm not sure but i i mean like you're right though that game control like UC's game control uh, for the 2022-2023 season would not be very high. Um, (laughs) But eventually, you know, as the program grows, and I liked what you said earlier, you know, um, Wes has stopped, like, he's still getting into the officials a little bit, but I think he's now starting to, you know, give those guys that extra boost of confidence by saying, I know you're better than that. I know you can play better than that. I don't need to be yelling at the officials all the time because I know you're better. So, and I think that's great. Like, you know, and we can just learn from there, but, but yeah, very exciting group of uh, incoming guys that we have to this Bearcat basketball team. And I I do think like after watching Rayvon, you know, you can be like down on what this team might be in the big 12 next year, but uh, you know, after seeing him, like it's, it's hard to not be excited about the future. Yeah, and, and as well it's as nice, Jizzle, man. Jizzle is like scoring like forty-five points tonight in Florida <laughs> high school basketball, dude. He's insane. It's ridiculous. Like, there's not always guys that are able to do that, even at the high school level. So to have that kind of talent that can just you know flood the bucket, I, I think is is huge. And hopefully those same stat lines transition, which obviously is not going to happen, but it'd be fantastic if it does. Uh, I would love to see somebody drop, uh, you know, a record-setting number of points in fifth third that uh, is actually a Bearcat. Um, With that out of the way, Bearcat Sports Wrap-Up. We've got a lot for you in a very short period of time. Again, screw you, Elon Musk. We're not paying for Twitter Blue, but we are going to try to get it done in two minutes and 20 seconds, and we're leaving baseball for last because we're pushing the narrative that baseball will be the Bearcats' third sport unless somebody else proves us otherwise. All righty, Justin. Here we go. We're going to go back and forth. Timer starting right now. Hockey uh, finished the season recently by splitting a home series with West Virginia, but unfortunately did not advance to the postseason this year. Shout out to the hockey guys, though. We love having them be involved on Twitter and stuff. So hope for a better season next year. All right, Justin, track and field. Let's go. Track and field. Shaquille Harris won the men's 60 meter with a personal best time of 6.8 seconds at the Alex Wilson Invitational. Last time out on February 18th, earning him Conference Mail Track Athlete of the Week. The AAC champions championships are this weekend in Birmingham. Now to lacrosse. Team is off to their best start since 2018 with a 4-1 record. Recent wins at home against Robert Morris and on the road against Youngstown State. Cameron Callagher also won AAC Freshman of the Week again after scoring eight, yes folks, Jesus. eight <laughs> goals in a single game against Marquette. Bearcats swim and dive. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> swim and dive. Uh, Men's yeah. play second. Women's play seventh at the conference championships. Junior Hunter uh, Gubeno, I don't know. There we go. Was awarded co men's most outstanding swimmer of the year. Golf. 
Maybe a little bit known fact that golfing men's Bearcats are currently ranked number 34 in the nation ahead of the Dorado Beach College Invitational that starts on the 26th of February. The women's team placed second and third in recent invitationals and will be playing in the Clover Cup in Mesa, Arizona in two weeks. Let's go over to the tennis court, Justin. They defeated the Cleveland State, uh, whatever the hell they are, and lost to Miami in recent matches, hosting Western Kentucky this weekend. Women's basketball. The women recently dropped games to Tulane and at Memphis, taking them to nine and 18 overall and two and 12 in the conference this year. Uh, they will play at UCF this Sunday. Hope for a little same of the magic now to soccer, Justin. To round us off spring schedule was announced. They are playing Miami, Toronto, Blizzard, Dayton, Indiana, and Butler first matches under new head coach, Erica Demers. Did we make and it? We did make it. We <laughs> did right. make it. Let's we made go. It. <laughs> Let's go. And if not, they not have been the cleanest. Of, you can just speed it up if you want to. I do. I, yeah. I like to talk. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's get over to those baseball Bearcats, Justin, shall we? Um, yes. First now. up, uh, yeah, I do want to mention that <laughs> it is still the year 2023 and we are unable to watch like every sporting event, like not even a guy at the field was holding up his camera or something to watch it. I mean, come on, like. <laughs> Guys, I got uniforms to track. I don't know what to tell you. Like we 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 gotta like be. I gotta be able to see what they're wearing. But come on, um, work with me here. Come on, hey, what are we doing? Uh, uh, so the the cats did take two out of four this weekend. Um, the weird note about that, Justin, is the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday was deemed a double forfeit with Georgia State leading three to two in the uh, in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, the Georgia State uh, one of Georgia State's players. Uh, got a hit, tried to go into second, and uh, went spikes up into the uh, UC player. Apparently, the UC player took exception to that. And why would you not? That's kind of a jerk move. And uh, there was a benches clearing brawl. So uh, nice. And, and NCAA, I, I think Georgia State has lights at their field, but I don't know if they work. I don't know. Uh, they, instead <laughs> of just re- replaying this game the next morning, they just said, Double forfeit, you both lose. So I think Georgia State would be more upset about that since they were winning at the time. But um, good weekend. We'll Otherwise, though, for the yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they 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 start two and two officially. Started two and two last year. So uh, you know, Coach Googans rocking a goatee right now. Uh, Justin, would you call that a Googs tee? Hey oh, hey oh, hey oh, bad joke. Um, We'll so, and then uh, Ryan Nicholson was named to the American Conference Honor Rule. He is, uh, he was also like one of our, our preseason player uh, of the year. And he was on like the preseason first team all conference. So he's, uh, he's pretty good, man. And uh, he, he's, he carried them this week. Um, I will just say though, that the pitching, the bullpen depth may be a bit of an issue for the Bearcats this year, because um, there was uh, the game on uh, Saturday uh, on Friday night, uh, the Bearcats were leading three to two late in the game, and they lost that. Oh, sorry, they were leading like two to one late in the game, and GC, uh, Georgia State ended up winning a uh, twelve to two. So you know, uh, we, we can just get that other cleaned up. Then I think we'll be good. But heading to Gainesville this weekend to play against a top ten team in Florida, and home opener next Wednesday against Miami. Justin. I have given you the Bearcats baseball update. What do you have? What do you think about that? Um, I'd say 500 is a good start to the season. Um, again, I think you said uh, Bearcats were picked last in the AAC. 
Uh, second last. Second to last. Uh, might as well be last. Uh, remember, if you're not second to last, you might as well be last. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how they how this all pans out because, you know, again, I I really firmly believe that like this is a team that if we can get enough of a push around that we can, you know, expect a very high quality product from and hopefully have people turn out for it. This is going to be, it'll be cool to see too, how this develops once we're in the big 12. Um, I know there's a bit more of a baseball culture there than maybe, you know, we're seeing now and and maybe, maybe that'll give us a little bit of a push too, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think the AAC is kind of balanced in that same way as well. So hopefully there's more of a push with the big 12 um, that we've got some momentum and maybe, you know, can bring out some more fans. Hopefully that is a resounding effort across all sports. Do I realistically see that changing? Not really, but I think people will be more excited to see us play, you know, uh, at least, you know, not even on the baseball field, but in general, play a lot more of the big 12 teams, see new faces, see new colors on the field, (laughs) see new uniforms. You're not used to seeing, uh, then seeing the same old, same old that you've been used to for the past uh, 10 years and change. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, like you said, it, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, important for these guys to start of try to try to gather a little bit of a role, maybe gain some momentum, especially heading, um, you know, into March, I think would be great and just hopefully can keep that momentum going, but yep. I don't know. I I I think there's a winnable game in Gainesville. You just have to have some hope. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Garrett Harker will take the ball on Friday night. Uh, Justin, if you didn't know, uh, baseball doesn't really do one, two, three for their rotation. You you put your best guy on Friday night and then second best guy on Saturday night and then either uh, bullpen day or third best guy on Sunday, whichever you prefer. So shout out to Garrett Harker. Uh, he's going to be our Friday night starter this year. So um, there, that, that's something that is really interesting about college baseball and just learning about all the different things and how it's so much more different than professional baseball. Personally, I think it's even more fun just as an on-field product, just because of how excited the guys get. The, the crack of the wooden bat is great. Don't get me wrong, but the <laughs> ping of the metal bat, you know, it just sounds amazing. Um, the guys get all excited. Like everybody runs out of the dugout after, you know, a, a home run like it's just fun so and you know it's good good background tv if nothing else so if you're getting ready to go out this weekend or if you're just staying home go ahead and pop on bearcats baseball they'll probably be on your espn app uh, because they're playing in gainesville and they are sec network uh, so probably will be available this weekend to watch so go ahead and find find that bearcats baseball yes sir uh, we we have something here uh, from our good friend, Mr. Steve. An interesting concept. Explain more, please. All righty. So uh, my lovely fiance and I, we've been watching The Last of Us on HBO Max. And uh, HBO is obviously based off the incredibly popular video game. But um, as someone who is a fan of shows that like to talk about, you know, apocalypse or end of the world type of things um i've been really enjoying this show and i just uh i'm actually kind of copying and pasting this idea i do that a lot uh so maybe i should be more original but anyway if you're still here thanks for listening we appreciate it so you're gonna hear my 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 concept here so matt brown of the extra points newsletter did this for college football 
for both of the outbreak days that are listed in the show, which was September 26, 2003, and the game, which was September of 2013. So um, I wanted to go into what was happening, but I I wanted to do the show because the show is more topically relevant currently. So I wanted to go over what was happening in Cincinnati sports at the time of September 26, 2003. We'll just list, we'll start in Clifton first. Football had just defeated Temple in three overtimes the Saturday before on the road. Another tough game against Temple where you're like, why are we losing this game? We should be winning. So um, they just actually did miss out by the outbreak of losing to Miami that Saturday with uh, number seven play, slinging it for the Red Hawks. So I, I think uh, outbreak would have been fine over that game, you know. <laughs> Uh, men's basketball, um, they went 17 and 12 in 2003, a weird season for them, but they were still a number nine seed. I uh, showed you how much respect the program had under coach Huggins at the time, uh, did unfortunately lose in the first round of the tournament as an eight seed. I'm sorry. They were an eight seed and they lost to Gonzaga. So, uh, that might've been one of Andrew Morrison's runs. If I remember correctly, maybe not, but, um, uh, I'd, I'd have to look, I didn't really look. <laughs> Women's basketball, they made the NCAA tournament for the second straight year under legendary head coach Lori Purgle. I think she's in the Bearcat Hall of Fame now. Probably should have never let her go. But anyway, <laughs> uh, they they did unfortunately lose to as a 10 seed to Arkansas in the first round that year. But only time that women's basketball has ever made it to two consecutive NCAA tournaments. Only made it to three in their in the program in history. But, you know, uh, Pretty good run there for those uh, women's basketball Bearcats. The Reds, uh, in their first season at Great American Ballpark, first and only season in this scenario, mm-hmm. they beat the Cubs at home 9-7 to on Thursday with the winning, winning runs coming from a Sean Casey two-run yeah. shot in the seventh. If God, you didn't love a name that you haven't kid, heard in a long time. <laughs> that's right. If you didn't love Sean Casey as a kid, I don't know what to tell you. Like He was, like, he was just like – he played like a kid. You know, he tried to like just – hit and then like he just like hustled out of the box both hands you know I, <laughs> I, I, i'm pretty sure he had the double ear flaps for a while before he switched the single so um oh, yeah. the reds would have finished the season 68 and 91 they ended up finishing 69 and 92 nice nice uh, 93 <laughs> but um you know uh that that outbreak would have happened before their last series of the season so i think everybody would have just been fine with just ending the reds right there they really haven't done much since and it pains me to say that Kill the them bengals, now. <laughs> that's right the bengals in their first year under marvin lewis justin a lot if of the firsts outbreak, yeah if the <laughs> outbreak would have happened that year justin we would have never had what what, what was it 15 season of, of marvin lewis um that's so true maybe count your blessings <laughs> anyway <laughs> um they lost at home to the Steelers 17 to 10 that Sunday to drop to 0 and 3 in Marvin Lewis's first and only season. Uh, and then a couple other things. Uh, first up, Elder would have been the reigning state football champions for eternity, winning it in 2002, and they would and go on to win it in a <laughs> non-fungus uh, outbreak world in 2003. So shout out. Um, Ohio State would have been reigning football national champion, uh, college football national champions off of a horrible uh, pass interference call. <laughs> That is still debated by historians to this day. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would have been reigning Super Bowl champs. Spurs would have been reigning NBA champs. And Angels would have won the last World Series, which the Angels haven't done anything since that World Series. So maybe 
outbreak honestly doesn't sound too bad for a couple <laughs> couple teams in that scenario. I I have to add in one more here because uh this yeah this one sits in the back of my mind. Um your 2003 Stanley Cup champions were the New Jersey Devils. Uh, really? Oh, <laughs> you're a Devils add that fan. There too. I was a Devils fan growing up for a long time, and then I fell out of watching hockey, but I do remember okay. that. Right. Uh, not remember as a five-year-old, but I remember re- retaining that information as a child um, very, very strongly in my brain. Somewhere deep back in that brain, it still sits. Um, yeah, well, now the world's over, and we can all suffer together. Um, or maybe, maybe it's just enough of bliss. Maybe we finally ended our suffering uh, by being turned into a zombie and a, a mindless one at that. Uh, I am curious. I I, I want to know. Actually, this would be a fun. This would be a fun Big Twelve poll. Maybe I should put this up anyways. If every single fan base were to were were to be in the Last of Us. There you get you get one member from every single fan base that encapsulates the entire entire fan base. One member from each Big 12 team who would survive. Who would survive the zombie outbreak the longest? Okay. I got I got it's gotta be the Bearcats. <laughs> Clifton style, well, baby. Of course. of course, yes. Clifton <laughs> style. Yes. They they were one of my three. But we got Florida Man coming out of the south with UCF, <laughs> especially with how crazy UCF fans are online. That uh, that might be uh, they they might end up like somehow winning, um, or you know Texas Tech. There's really not much else to do in Lubbock, and uh, I see our UCF friends have gone to badgering them relentlessly about that. And um, we're trying to be nice. We're not saying that out loud, but apparently there's not much to do in Lubbock, Texas. So I feel like those guys would just be ready to just like just scrap. So in a close fucking zombies. Well, uh, okay, yes, yes, that's true. So, I mean, hey, they they have, they're like the Raiders. They got a guy like on a horseback shooting a gun, or I mean, I guess Oklahoma State has that too. That's another thing I learned, Justin. Apparently, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech debate over who actually started the traditions of yes. like running out onto their field with a gun in a, a cowboy, and uh, there's apparently a big debate over that. So, wait, 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 um, <laughs> did you see? I don't, I don't remember if this was clickbait. Or not, it could be because I I watched it and I <laughs> okay now I'm remembering it now some some fan put up something as like a fake like Oklahoma State account it was actually a Texas Tech fan that's uh like clipped over a video of Gundy talking about like the traditions and was saying like yeah we just knocked we just stole everything <laughs> oh yeah so yes actually what's funny about that is the video just had no audio behind yeah, it so yeah, yeah, if you yeah. click on it obviously you get the joke but justin maybe you should like uh think about that for future memes you know for the account oh for like, sure ucf like uh, coach malzahn scott like, Man, <laughs> they, they whipped us you know <laughs> scott frost when he gets interviewed by some random guy and yeah. on a random podcast yeah you know 2017 cincinnati well, they would have beat us real good yeah uh, it's 2017 <laughs> ucf we would got pasted by 21 21 cincinnati like yeah. i i like it that sounds good but yeah I, i'm gonna say either the bearcats of course clifton style or Florida man uh, from UCF or Texas tech. One of those fans. Um, I think one of those three, you'd have a pretty good chance of making it out alive. That's fair enough. I, uh, 
I, I think I'm still going to have to open this one up to the, to the people. That would be a, that'd be a fun fight. I just came to the realization that I never finished the big 12 in <laughs> I started that like last week and went all the way through, got to the final round. Uh, we're down to, I think it's Oregon and who is it? Oregon and Colorado. No, Colorado lost Oregon. It's Oregon and somebody. I don't even remember now. No, Utah lost. Utah lost. And they had a bye and they lost. Yes, I think it's Arizona State and Oregon. Um, let me look. I've got to find this now that I've said that because uh, we should have. I definitely should have finished off. I totally forgot. I went. I, I took the weekend to go on a trip and then I totally forgot about it. Uh, so that would be why that has happened. It is no days off on the grind, Justin. Come on. Yeah. It's Oregon and Arizona, not Arizona state. So, oh, okay. All right. The remaining hey, members. Of the bear down, baby. Bear down. <laughs> bear down. We, Go cats. We are now in a deadlocked race. I, I think Arizona would actually have a shot. I'm going to have to put that up in the morning and see. Uh, where yep. that goes it's just so, the uh, week off so just to uh, piggyback on that there has been a lot of talk about um, the big 12 and the pac 12 and pac 12's tv deal kind of just being non-existent but um, can we just all agree um, in just general college football twitter to not listen to anything that mhver3 says <laughs> on twitter dude is just He's just writing realignment fantasies. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's, he pinned his only good take, which was, he said, maybe the big 10 would consider taking USC and UCLA and they did it. And, but he's got that one pinned at the top to make him seem like he's a source, but dude doesn't know anything. Like, let's just not give him the time of day. And like, if, if you're just reading it as just for fun, then I'm, I'm good with that. You know? But. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a classic case of spray and pray. That's all it is. It's That's just right. spew a bunch of misinformation, That's right. hoping that something sticks so that we can then tout that we are a reliable source. My inside sources, you know what your inside sources are? Your inside sources are your fucking self, you loser. Quit making up shit. You're trying it's to confuse everybody. Although I will say he's done a good job because apparently uh, he's racked up like, I think it's like 17,000 followers or something that he has now. So uh, clearly he's marketing himself with misinformation much better than we are. Maybe that's, that's the key. If there's anything that we've learned from Just the world lying. over the past few years <laughs> is that lying works very good to get a lot of attention. Uh, so Bullying you know what? And so does lying. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to come up with some tin hat conspiracy theories about college sports and you guys will see this podcast rocket to the moon. <laughs> That's all we need to do now. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything that we've got on our rundown. We've talked plenty on plenty of topics. Um, did not put our spaces from the end of the UCF game up. So that will be attached here for your listening pleasure at the end of this episode, which will be coming in less than a minute because I need to stop talking. So from Steve and myself, thank you guys for listening. If you've made it all the way through again, we appreciate you very much. Make sure to check us out every single week. Make sure to check out our friends at the 1012 network as well. Check out all their podcasts. If you want to learn a lot more about the other big 12s schools, uh, 
those guys know what they're talking about and they're a lot of fun. Um, as far as hyped up information goes, we have some very exciting news that will be coming very, very, very soon. I know that we keep saying this, but it is, it, it is upon us now. It is no longer distant in the horizon. The ship has come to bay. The people just need to get off of the ship and land. So we are very, very close. But again, thank you guys for listening. Be be in tune for that. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. And we'll see what the Bearcats hopes are for the rest of March. Go Bearcats. Uh, be following us on Twitter and uh, maybe watch out for our spaces on Sunday uh, because it could be good. It could be bad. You never know, but hoping for a good spaces. So see y'all then go Bearcats. Go Bearcats, baby. Hey, I'm in. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Got the adrenaline pumping after that win now. Same here, man. <laughs> I I jumped out of my off my couch for that. I did too. I was I was holding my breath, waiting for the three to go up because that's what we do. <laughs> that and is, that made is. the move, sent the floater. I was hyped. That was that was awesome. That that, that is like a, exactly like what. I mean, that was almost how the two-lane game ended, you know? Just, like, going right down to the wire, and then DDJ gets a shot right at the end. And, well, this time he took the best shot possible, and he made it. So, I mean, that's uh, that's all you can <laughs> well, Yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. Seriously, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's just something for progress as well. I mean, I've been saying this year, and uh, just – just win more games than you did last year. And they tied their regular season win total today with that. Um, also, I mean, you know, he gave up a nine-point lead again, but I'm, I'm willing to look past that for a win. So, you know, I mean, that that, that was good to me uh, to hold on to that lead at the end. And, uh, well, I mean, I guess they, UCF tied it up, but still. Um, what, what did you think of just – I mean, the the offense played a little bit better today. I got to look at the stats real quick. But what do you think of the defensive performance overall, especially in that second half? Uh, on on the Discord, I threw out there that in the first half, at least, we had a a really good stretch of playing solid defense and making them throw up some bad shots for a change. Um, the second half, I mean, again, in in stretches. Um, it didn't seem like – I don't know his name, number 24, though, who is a beast. Um, I kind of expected him to take over in the second half. Uh, he's, I mean, he's only a freshman, but he's easily their best player. Um, you know, that didn't happen. And uh, I thought it was it was better than the second half efforts that we'd seen before, especially in the ECU-Tulane game. So – it was. I can't say it was a ton of progress, but you know, we put stretches together in both halves that, I mean, ultimately put us in a position to win the game. Yeah, definitely, and I, I, I do think we had been talking about as well. Just like, like we said, you know, putting two halves together, making, you know, a a concerted effort in the second half to hold on to a game and actually win a game, right? 
right at the end instead of just you know dropping it like we had our past two road games. Um, also want to make a note real quick that this is Wes's uh, second uh, Quadrant 1 victory as long as UCF holds up their end of the bargain and uh, continues to play well this year. Uh, a good win as well for the conference tournament standpoint in that they stay in fourth place and are in line for uh, a first-round bye at the moment, as well as um, a road win in February slash March. West had previously been – one and six in such games um now two and six so <laughs> if if you're looking for baseline progress uh i was able to lay some out there and um i see uh justin is joined justin if you want to go ahead and uh request to speak i'll let you uh talk i know you were coming back from uh vacation this weekend but i want to get your instant reactions real quick and then uh coomer as well if you want to go ahead and speak uh floors floor is yours that uh, that was refreshing, fellas. I'm really, really, really happy about that game, despite Landers Nolly turning the ball over seven times, which I think is the one nitpick you could really have from this game. Is that the turnovers were pretty gnarly in the first half, and then down the stretch, you know, the the Nolly on the sidelines, Nolly in traffic, uh, the turnovers, and then JD with that pass. I mean, it was pretty. That was ugly to say the least, and was giving us flashbacks of not closing games, but otherwise. This team only took five threes in the second half in a game that was tight at halftime. And we've seen routinely they tend to settle in second halves for quick three-pointers, knockout blows. And instead, they just were extremely disciplined from start to finish, attacking the rim, beating Oguama down low, getting the ball inside as often and as frequently as possible. And we saw it pay off in spades. And that, that's good to see. For sure, for sure, and I think also um, just getting the get, getting this opportunity to redeem yourself almost immediately after what we saw against a much worse team on Wednesday, like and you know showing a little bit of improvement and not losing, I think is I don't know, it's just a, a sign of progress for a team that definitely uh, <laughs> needs some progress right now. Well, we I, need I'm, progress. I'm, we, we need progress, and, and it's good to see that it's okay to criticize. Like, when you when things are – when the execution is as bad as it was against ECU down the stretch or against Tulane down the stretch, the criticisms were fair. It was fair to criticize the type of play and the type of shots they were settling for and the lack of defensive resistance. And you're seeing West take those things, not necessarily criticisms from fans, but he's seeing the same thing on the court, and he's taking that to the practice court – He's re- workshopping how we're going to actually attack the, the opponents down the stretch of games and coming out with a much better succinct game plan that could be executed from start to finish. So like our first game against Central Florida, it's one of the more promising performances of the season. To an extent, Central Florida, is they're, they're quite undisciplined. They're not that impressive. But the reality is it was still a really good road win in February after a really tough couple of games. Guys, I'm, I'm reporting down here from – a place located in the center of the state of Florida. Sometimes people refer to it as Central Florida. Zach Coomer just gave Wes Miller a compliment. That's that should be noted. That should definitely be noted. I, I like that. That's that's fact. I praise Wes constantly. That's factually inaccurate. I resent the comment. Who are you anyway? Hummer is alive. Hummer is alive. He's back. 
everybody. He's back. <laughs> Don't the, the rumors of his death were greatly exaggerated. But good to have you back, Hummer. What do you think of today's game? Well, you know, it's nice to. I, I thought the execution. You know, even though you had a couple turnovers on the full court press. You know, we didn't really execute on that. I, I love the clock management when once once we hit under that two minute thirty seconds, getting offensive rebounds, kicking it back out, draining the clock, you know, attempting looking for better shots. You know, and then even even with West finally, you know, we see him call a timeout with eleven seconds left. That's absolutely refreshing. You know, to to draw some of them, even if that play was, hey, let's get the ball into the Julius's hands, let's let let him make a play. Right. Let let him let him do something off the dribble, penetrate. Uh, and I'm watching this game with, with my grandpa down here in Florida. And uh, I was like, yeah, normally we don't make those. Uh, normally we miss that. We take that to overtime and we lose the game. So I can't argue that the outcome is is obviously what we wanted to see there. Can we should – we, should we talk about Odi Oguama and the fact that he's a completely Please. different player yeah. down the stretch? Yes. Can we talk about the fact that Odio Guama was a guy that we literally, we've said this before, but like he was being, he was being checked out for the yips. Like he was afraid to shoot layups, afraid to go up and finish. And for the second time in like three games, the guys went seven of seven from the field, hundred percent from the floor, four boards, 15 points. He's all over the place defensively with a couple of steals, not getting in foul trouble. Odio Guama has been a revelation. Yes, two posters today, uh, multiple photos that he could choose of to hang out on his wall. Uh, which I like that tweet from Justin. That was funny. Um, I, I do want to uh, talk about as well, I, uh, Hummer, I think you brought it up, just like the late game clock management as well, not forcing up a quick shot and just actually trying to work the offense down. And just, I mean, I think, I don't know, I compare – basketball to football too often I, I i know more about football than basketball if i'm being my true self but you know it, i think some of the same principles apply when you're trying to hold on to a lead and win a game late just run some time off and give the other team less time and you know ucf was able to tie it up if they had had more time they could have had a couple more opportunities to get a couple last second shots and win and you know you win it right at the end and uh david julius like i i think you know, we had been we've been talking about him a little bit this year about how maybe he is like not maybe not underwhelmed, but not been maybe carrying as much this year. And you guys can de- debate that with me if you think I'm wrong. But I'm just curious, like what like how how do we feel about David today? I love how David Dick Julius has been playing personally. I think less is more when it comes to shot volume and. The announcers alluded to like his assist streak. He had another eight assists tonight, today. I guess it's not nighttime, but he. I think we need that from him. I think we need him to be more of a true point guard, a true distributor, a guy who can facilitate and get easier looks for our big men. And he's not going to be a guy who can get to the rim and finish consistently. But like any point guard in Division One college basketball, they can penetrate the lane and find an open player when the defense collapses. It's a tale as old as time in basketball that that's good offense. And David Julius has been doing that in spades recently. So I'm, I'm thrilled with him being more of a facilitator. But then when you need a guy to get a look down the stretch and create his own shot, he's still the best on the team when it comes to doing that. Yeah, definitely. And I think this was uh, – I mentioned it uh, at the start of the spaces, but this was kind of like a – 
replay of the end of game situation with Tulane where he had a final shot opportunity instead of, you know, getting rushed to try and like hit a three right at the end. He, he took a, like a, a higher percentage shot. I think he hit a similar shot uh, at the buzzer last year against ECU. Um, uh, maybe not like the same location, but uh, he's been like our guy the past three years. And I am really sad to, that this is his last year because I think team next year that is definitely going to be younger could use a guy like him to be able to facilitate, get you a bucket whenever, whenever needed. And I, I have liked his ability to try and get like other people involved. Uh, also, it just, I think him getting Odie involved today as well was great. Um, no Victor Locken again for the Bearcats. So we'll see. He, he warmed up today, but did not play. Hopefully we can get him back at some point before the end of the season. But um, fellas, people on the Discord are talking about there's there's some variants for this team. They could either go all the way to the championship of the conference tournament or lose in game one. How do you guys feel about their chances? As as uh, I think there's only three games, three game, four games left in the season. I don't I don't exactly know, but there's there's only a couple games left. How do you feel about their chances? As they guys, 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 hi Justin. Hello. Um, I would just like to first before anything else. Um, apologize i think that we've given west miller a lot of blame and the players a lot of blame turns out it's actually my fault because when i don't watch the end of a game we win um uh, it was probably it's all your fault like, man why do you why do you really watch is. the end of games i don't know i don't know i need to stop uh because <laughs> i was driving home from a weekend trip and then i saw the halftime score and then phone just dead and so we're using car nav and I get home and it charges just enough to come alive, walk in the door. And all I see is David DeJulius calls game. I go to click on it. Phone dies again. And I'm just, <laughs> just angry uh, because I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on. But um, yeah, I mean, from, from what I could tell so far from this, it looks, it looks really like we finally put it together. And this is exactly what we've talked about all season long is that, and I heard you say this earlier, Coomer, and it's like, exactly our point is that it's totally fair to criticize the late game stretch because this is what happens when you put shit together you can figure out a way to win like we've talked about this so many times it's like the team is there they're capable they're able to do it you just need to be able to figure out how to stay in it and how to be able to come out and win like that's that is a fair criticism and today it worked out a couple of these other games it's been the same old thing so it's it's nice to be on the other side of it for once but um, to not make this whole thing about myself missing this, uh, <laughs> kind of jumping off your point there, Steve, on you know what we should expect from the end. Um, if if we're able to kind of play off this momentum and take it down the stretch, I think this is definitely doable. Like I, th- I think I like the idea of us playing through to the end of the championship, um, and hopefully, you know, not getting to the end and facing Houston again for the umpteenth time and having to deal with that. But, you know, maybe somebody else gets in there, but all we have left now is Temple, Memphis, and SMU. Um, And at Memphis is still, I believe, a quad one game. Um, I would imagine so if UCF was a quad one game. So that is another opportunity to do the same thing that you did today. Um, And I would imagine there's going to be a little bit of heat behind that because Landers Nolly, you know, this is his first time going back to Memphis after having left. Um, and between Temple, Memphis, and SMU, I mean, if you can win at UCF like that in a tough environment against a team that wants to beat you because you got them last time, 
I don't see why we couldn't finish out 3-0. I mean, I think it's fair. I think that's I think that is reasonable. At least SMU and Temple. I think that is totally reasonable. Memphis. I don't. Th- I don't think it's reasonable. I don't think the reason. I think the reasonableness comes at, uh, based off what we do at Memphis. If we want to say, does this team have a realistic shot of taking the tournament? You know, as of right now, we haven't beat any good teams. You know, you take UCF. Or if you want to say sure, but you know, we haven't beat a Memphis. We haven't beat a Houston. You know, we need to go in and, and beat the top teams in the conference. And right now. You know, there's there's games where we go and we lose to the worst team in the conference. Uh, there's still some stuff left to prove, uh, you know, in these last three games. And, you know, it's it's not dropping games that we're supposed to lo- that we're supposed to win, but then taking a, another game that we're not supposed to win. Right. We need to go in there and execute on on in hostile territory in Memphis before I'm ready to say that. All right. I'll throw some some money down on whatever the odds are. The Bearcats are going to take 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 the champion. As right now, I'm just not confident that the Bearcats have what it takes to do that. No, and I, I mean, I see your point, too, and I, I think that's totally fair. Like, we are in a position where we should be able to, um, you know, we should be able to beat teams like Memphis, and we should be able to beat the teams that we beat. But, um, you know, I think it comes down to that. I think that game will set the expectation level for the performance in the championship, you know, tournament. Um I mean, God, could you imagine we've done all this talking all year long, trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this team, and then they go and find a way to win the conference championship and just play their way into the tournament? That would be insane after all the stuff that's happened this year. Um, you know, talk about a roller coaster ride, but it's something that this team has. If that happens, if that right happens, time. I think Coomer needs to go on a on a like publicity <laughs> public apology tour throughout different bars in Cincinnati stand oh, up yeah. on top of the day. You know, I apologize to Wes Miller. Uh, you know, but you know, I, I think right now, I think right now said anything, I have not said anything out of pocket about Wes Miller. I have not said <laughs> anything out of pocket about Wes Miller. I've criticized bad basketball and that's what you should do when there's bad basketball. Let me say this. I know you called Wes Miller an asshole when he lost. <laughs> We're getting Victor Lockins. That's Lockin what back. I heard. And Victor Victor Lockins' injury stretch here has allowed Nick Bauer's boy, Kalua Zikbe, to finally step up and find his footing a little bit. We actually may have ourselves a bench big man, you know, damn near 30 games into the season, which is a bit of a difference, right? Kalua, I think, had what, 12 and 6 today? Unprecedented. Really close to that for him. 9 and 7. It's so if, if, in my opinion, with Victor Lockin back in the mix, we saw today against Central Florida a style of basketball and a, an approach on offense and defense that can win basketball games against really good teams. But you have to replicate it. There has to be discipline. There has to be uh, an intent to get the ball inside. But when you factor the, I mean, Victor Lockin's our best defender by far. He's going to transform the defense when he returns. We can go into Memphis and win that game so long as we play the right way. And today was the first step in playing basketball the right way. Completely agree. Uh, Hunter, I want to get you in here, man. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I just want to say that it's huge that this team can prove that it can win when it doesn't live and die by the three. I think we've been looking for that all season long, and it's so good to finally see them work the ball inside, dribble drive, penetrate, dish to Odie, and have him baptize some clowns trying to block him. It was amazing to watch. Like the the turnovers at the end kind of kill me a little bit, but I it's significant 
at least willingness to change or adapt on Wes Miller's part to for to tell the team like you got to do this if you want to win games. Yeah, I mean that's I jump on that too. Like for those of you who didn't see the stat, uh, it is four from fifteen for three, twenty six percent. So if you would have told me at the beginning of this game or a couple weeks ago, any point in the season, that with the way this team has been playing, that we would have shot less than thirty percent and won a game. I would have thought we would have been blown out by 20 points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great point, Hunter. I mean, definitely. I, I don't – I'm actually amazed that <laughs> – because, like I said, I missed, I most, missed most of this. Jesus. Um, but the fact that we were able to pull that together I think is huge. I mean, I think, you know, fr- from the line to performing well, also 54%, almost 55 from the field, I think shows that, like, figuring out the way to play a different style of ball when it means – you want to win and not settling for those threes. And exactly like, I don't know if anybody said this earlier. Um, Sorry if you did and to not be a broken record, but at the end of the game, you get to this point and you've got a game winner on the line. And instead of settling for a turnaround fader, David Julius throws it right in their teeth. Uh, That shows how that works. (laughs) It's nice. It worked out. And that's exactly Uh, what we said. So I said that, but credit to you. You got me first. (laughs) I think this is a great game for Wes to be able to go back to the film room and show the guys this is what happens when we play the way we need to play. When we're getting the ball to the rim, we're being aggressive offensively, not just settling for for three-pointers. Like this this is a great like teaching moment where you've done things the positive way. This is the way we should continue to do it. And I think he was sending that message to Davenport actually in the game itself, which is another good good thing, where he got benched for a stretch. The Bearcats had, I think, a nine-point lead, about eight minutes to go. And while trying to close the game, Jared Hensley appeared out of nowhere. And he hasn't seen, you know, he hasn't seen minutes at all anymore. And the fact that the fact that he was in the game to me was a testament that West did not want to have Davenport in based on the decisions he had been making, right? The shots, the three-pointers. We didn't want that. We want discipline. When Davenport got back in the game, because the Hensley experiment did not work, go figure, um, Davenport was more disciplined. You didn't see the the same shot selection. You saw him grabbing offensive boards and playing more of that nitty-gritty basketball that we need to actually win games. So I think that's dead on, Brandon, that this is a positive affirmation of the type of basketball they can play and replicate in the future and get use it to get more buy-in from guys like Davenport especially. I didn't know there was a soundboard feature. I just found it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to 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 jump on that too. Like, I think I think we've talked about this all season long as well. Like, it's again. I think this is just a good example of so many things, you know, kind of coming together. Like all the little tiny pieces that we pick apart every single time, all feel like they get resolved in one little capsule. Hopefully, that is not <laughs> does not mean that that was the one time, you know use of all of that but um you know we've we've had this conversation on davenport where you're looking for that um sort of responsibility and from west's side you're looking for that enforcement and i think enforcement is just a huge thing and you know it shows clear like when when you've got a guy who needs you know maybe just to step back for a second take a breather figure it out and go back in play some hard ball it works like i think those guys just get like so some some guys especially like jd tend to overplay in order to like compensate for when things aren't going well. And I think that's just like a, Hey, 
take a step back, look at how things are going, figure it out. You're better than that. You're good. And, and, and just, I think that was the thing that I feel like Mick did a lot. And I think Mick's, <laughs> Mick's side was maybe less of what I'm taking this calm approach and more a aneurysm. Well, okay. Sorry. That's, that's probably ill worded. Um, but like, just a just an angry spree of just trying to like cope, but I don't know. Let it be known that it took thirty minutes for us to talk about Nick on this space instead of the usual like five or ten. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Justin. Uh, we we don't have to talk about him after a win. We can talk about him after a loss, but not after a win. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it, I, do you guys uh, have anything else you want to add to this? I think this is probably a good stopping point for us, but, uh, you know, good, just a good solid win. And I, I think, you know, at the, at the end of the day, when you're looking for things to just build off of for next year, this is just progress, plain and simple. Like, you know, like you learned at the end of the game that you can win instead of lose. You learned at the end of the game that you can, you know, just play up to your capability and not drop at a one that you should have, you should have won. And I think it's also just the fact that, once we learn how to actually, you know, play a full game instead of just like 10 stretches of 10 or 20 good minutes, then we can really be uh, getting somewhere. I'm not going to say this is proof of concept just yet for Wes Miller, but I, I like it. I mean, you can't go wrong with today. So um, you guys I, just, I, love the I, I just have one thing. Yes. Oh, sorry, Kim. Go ahead. Soundboard. Yeah, my bad. All I was going to say is, uh, A, the soundboard could definitely get out of control, but it's fun. I would, um, I, I think it's a good week, folks, to follow Cincinnati Uniform Tracker, Viva La Cats, Cincy Slang, and Go Beer Cats. If you want to follow Newport Billy, it sounds like he might be getting back into the mix. Good, good, exciting things on the way. I'm, I'm pumped that we beat Central Florida. I'm pumped that we showed signs of legitimate improvement, and it's not just based on getting hot from three. This was a game that we won based on execution and out executing our opponent. And I'm redundant and I'm, I'm going to leave it there and move on and have a good Sunday. Have a good Sunday. Follow the, follow these accounts and let's get after it for the rest of the year. Let's go. I am going to end the space now, but great talking to all of you. Thank you all for joining and go Bearcats. Enjoy your Sunday. Follow all of us. <laughs>